Thanks for tuning in to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast, where we talk about your body, how it moves, and empowering you with the knowledge to manage and treat your pain or discomfort. You will also get an exclusive behind-the-scenes look at a successful private practice. You have the questions, and we have the answers. Now let's get moving. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Direct Access to Oxford Physical Therapy podcast. I'm your host, Matt. And your co-host, Allie. Thank you for joining us today. We are doing our September Clinical Corner podcast. September. Yep. I like September the best, I think. It's a pretty month. That's nice. We've had good weather and uh, we're football season is in full swing. <laughs> Friday night lights and college and Bengals. And so it's an exciting time of year. That's true. I love it. Yeah. So... We have an interesting article today. Um, Allie and I are going to make it interesting (laughs) and exciting, even though it's a little bit of a drier topic. Well, I think that's what kind of what our podcast does with these types of things. Not only are we talking about, you know, some serious matter and we're spreading the knowledge, but we can kind of make it more conversational and digestible or whatever. So Allie's saying we make everything interesting. That's true. We can make anything interesting. Yeah. So to our uh, students out there, we usually give a student uh, question at the beginning of the podcast for those listeners that might be tuning in for the first time today. Welcome and thank you for listening. And if you want to kind of think about uh, a question um, as we go through this article uh, for the students in the in the listening audience, think about the craniocervical flexion test. And you might be now saying the what? I was going to say, is there one specific test for that? Uh, well, that's a good point. There's oh. one specific test, couple ways to do it. Okay. At the end of the uh, podcast, you should kind of know the best way and a little bit more about the craniocervical flexion And then test. you'll give the answer. Yeah. So what's the question? <clears throat> so think about the test and the best way to perform it and what it can tell you predictively for neck patients. Oh, that's a very broad question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Long answer. Okay. We would say that's not a multiple choice. My least favorite kind of question on a test. What was your favorite kind of question on the test? The extra points or, you oh. know, the one that extra was Extra credit? Like yeah. what was the score of the Bengals game last yeah, night? Yeah, something like that. Credit? So it's like, oh, I got the street smarts, but don't ask me anything <laughs> about what this book told me. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, cool. So um, sit back. Because we got a long title coming your way. Oh gosh, one of these. These it, medical people really can't get a. It's not flashy, creative, <laughs> but it has a lot of big, big money words in it. So here it goes. Nothing. Here it goes. Reliability, validity, and responsiveness of the craniocervical flexion test in people who are asymptomatic and patients with nonspecific neck pain. A systemic review and meta-analysis. When you, I kept thinking at one point you were going to stop. <laughs> And it I just felt like kept going. I needed a comma in there somewhere. I was looking for it, but there isn't. But anyway. It's like a couple sentences. <clears throat> you get your money's worth in just the title. So as we've talked before, this they is... They were trying to reach a word count. Yeah. This is kind of a uh, systemic review. This one is from the American Physical Therapy Association Journal. So PTJ, it's Physical Therapy and Rehabilitation Journal. Um, and it's from 2022. So... We've Not talked before. Fresh off the press like we usually have. That's pretty good, though. Yeah. I mean, in the last year. Yeah. So um, we've talked before about different types of articles, and this is a systemic review and meta-analysis. So they're kind of looking back at other studies that were done, gathering information, looking for trends, seeing what they can put together, and learn from a focused 
study of a topic that's covered in other different articles. So they were looking at this specific test, the craniocervical flexion test, in all the articles out there that have ever been published. And so oh. there's different criteria that they look for uh, when they research uh, these articles and they select the studies and then kind of uh, do like a quality assessment and extract the different results from the studies. So it's kind of like putting a lot of different things together to come up with an overall conclusion or theme, if that makes sense. It just sounds like stealing a lot of other people's homework and creating your own. Well, it's like doing a book report on a lot of different books, you know, and trying to put together a theme from all the different ones out there. So uh, they actually had 21 studies, which is a pretty good amount, Mm -hmm. uh, number of studies in this review. So it's not just like one article. So sometimes these can be more powerful as a clinician because you're getting, uh, you know, 21 different sources of information versus grabbing hold of one article and saying, oh, this one article said this thing. Well, if it says it over and over, you know, 21 times, and that might be something to think about using or doing. So the scientific process. (laughs) That's right. So we talk about, you know, kind of our physical therapy evaluation and Our listeners know that you have the right to choose where you get your physical therapy evaluation done, and you have the right to direct access. Wow, that wasn't early. You got that in not even five minutes. Well, I do my best. But (laughs) for those that don't know, direct access allows you to choose to come straight to a physical therapist for an injury or issue, get an evaluation, and then either begin physical therapy or be referred on from there. So... We talk a lot at Oxford Physical Therapy about our continuing education program Mm -hmm. and how much time and effort we put into really honing our skills, developing those, and getting better and better and better at evaluation. So we know, hey, this is a patient that we can help with physical therapy, or maybe this is something that needs further testing or whatnot. So we make good, solid recommendations. And so. And have fun along the way. We have fun (laughs) along the way, for sure. Um, so the craniocervical flexion test is a test that we often talk about when we do a neck evaluation, uh, and sometimes even shoulder evaluations, because as we've talked before, lots of different parts of the chain are connected. So oftentimes, uh, shoulder patients end up with neck pain or neck patients end up with shoulder pain and vice versa, because, uh, those muscles are interrelated, especially when you start talking about, You know, if you've ever had pain in your shoulder and you try to reach up overhead before long, you'll notice that your neck gets sore from doing so. It's just an unfair cycle. Exactly. (laughs) So what what happens is PT breaks that cycle. So, but anyway, this craniocervical flexion test is kind of a strength slash endurance measure of some specific muscles in your neck called the deep neck flexors. And what the deep neck flexors are is they're muscles that are kind of under Um, the bigger muscles. So I explain it to patients kind of like when you're getting, when you're a little kid or when you're getting ready to go ski or go out in the snow and you put on several layers, Mm -hmm. you might put on like a base layer, under armor, tight fitting base layer. Then you might put on a long sleeve shirt, then a sweatshirt, then a jacket. Mm -hmm. Your muscles are made the same way. They're in layers. It's 3D. So it's not like one uh, layer is all your neck muscles. So if you think about these deep neck flexors, they're like your Under Armour base layer 
They're really, really deep in your neck. They go intersegmental between just a couple vertebrae, and they help create stability. We're talking about all these layers, and you haven't even put in a Shrek reference. It's bothering me. Really? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Onions have layers. You get it. That's right. I get it. I get it. Just like the onion. So so we're at the core of the onion in these deep neck flexors. Um, And what we try to do is we try to assess the strength and stability, uh, and since these are postural, a lot of times it's not like a strength muscle that we would test and see, hey, can you do this thing one time, but we might do a test and say, how long can you hold a position, or how many repetitions can you complete at a certain level. And so one of the devices we use to help with this craniocervical flexion test is a biofeedback device. What is that? Can you explain that to me? I would be happy to explain <laughs> that really to you, I really don't Allie. know what that means. Fortunately, we take questions from our <laughs> listeners and our co-hosts. So <laughs> let's answer Allie's question. Biofeedback. Biofeedback is just a way that we can gauge a uh, the strength of contraction or feedback from what's happening in the muscle. There's lots of different ways to do that. Uh, there is electrical uh, units that can actually gauge motor potentials, so how much things are contracting. Um, They can do biofeedback through needle, like EMG testing, and they can do biofeedback through pressure sensation. So this is this article in this test is using a pressure device. So So it's not always a needle. Nope, not always always a needle. When we talk about dry needling and they attach the electrode wires to them, I thought that's always how it had to be. No, so that actually is not, we're not reading biofeedback when we do that. Um, when we attach when we attach electric stimulation to the needles and dry needling, uh, we're actually using that as a treatment, not as a test. Oh. But there is a way to do that with other tests called like nerve conduction studies and um, needle EMGs studies. Wow. So, but anyway, the biofeedback with the cranial cervical flexion test it kind of looks like a blood pressure cuff, and so this cuff you inflate some air into, and there's a gauge, a pretty sensitive gauge. Uh, attached to the other end that can sense how hard something is pushing on that cuff. And so we use it in this cranial cervical flexion test to measure uh, how hard a patient can contract their neck muscles. We put them in a certain position, lying on their back with their feet up, and we put the pressure uh, sensor device under the back of their neck. We have them do a, a movement or an exercise, basically like chuck tucking a chin, So it's the least flattering position you can probably imagine. (laughs) If you give yourself like the biggest double chin possible, that's the cranial cervical flexion test. Interesting. And so uh, what this article looked at was, hey, can we use this test to look at patients that are asymptomatic and maybe they're, you know, uh, in a preventative way? Can we start to find folks that might benefit from some neck strengthening, neck training to avoid neck pain? Um, or people that do have, uh, you know, nonspecific neck pain, like it's not maybe uh, a ridiculous issue of an exact inflamed nerve root. Their neck is just painful in lots of different joints. We call that nonspecific neck pain. Can they benefit from a specific strengthening exercise and uh, routine, and would this test allow us to identify those people? So it looked at different ways you can do the test, and not as much different ways of administering the test, but calculating results. And so you could do the test where you would tuck down and just see, like, how high could you raise the needle. 
So this would be like at the fair when you go and you take the hammer (laughs) and you whack the thing and the bell goes all the way up to the top. You know, how hard can you whack that and get the bell to raise all the way to the top? Um, But that's a good thing that you're trying to achieve. Yeah, Yeah, provided you're not using other muscles to compensate. Okay. And that's one of the big trends of the article is that there has to be proper training in how to administer this test. But there's multiple ways to do the test. There's multiple ways to calculate the test results. So it's the same test, but it's what are you going to measure. So, um, for example, you could have the patient do this test and see how high they can raise the needle. You can give them an exact target and see how long they can hold it at that target. Or you could give them a target and see how many reps can they hold it at that target for a defined amount of time, say like 10 seconds. So, and the why, re- reason why those tests might measure different things is if you had to do something once, let's say you had to take your arm and raise it up with 10 pounds once, that's a different measure than if you took that 10 pounds and you had to hold it out in front of you for 30 seconds. Yeah. That's different ways that your muscle function. Or if you had to raise it up, say, to a 45-degree angle and then hold it for 10 seconds and measure how many times could you do that. That's what the three kind of main okay. primary categories of how they're measuring this. And I just imagine a bunch of patients in a room nodding. There's <laughs> a lot of nodding. Yeah, exactly. So you just say like, am I the smartest person in the room? And they all nod. They all nod. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> this is, sorry, it's a PT joke. Um, Funny. But uh, what seemed to be most reliable uh, when you look at this article and I'm going to have Allie put the article in the notes so you guys can pull it down. There's, like I said, it's tons and tons of information in there uh, related to validity and responsiveness and some really deep statistical calculations. So if you really like that kind of thing, you are in for a treat. They will fall asleep halfway through the title. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why we're giving them a great summary. So, um, but what they, what they said was, is using the test that looks at repetition is probably more valuable. So, Uh, If you had the gauge, you would have them hold, uh, say, for 10 seconds at a given millimeter based on their performance in the test, and then you would repeat that and see how many times they could do that. Okay. So, Specifically for strengthening? Yeah, so specifically to measure the level they're at and does that correlate to their problem. Okay. And so really uh, what it's probably measuring is their endurance. And that makes sense when we think about these muscles. These muscles, again, are the deep under armor muscles. These muscles are the ones that are going to be there for postural stability. So what that means is if you've ever had a headache or you've ever had neck pain Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you feel like your head is too heavy for your neck and you have to take your hands and like hold it and you're just like, oh my gosh, the weight of my head is just too much for my neck. That's probably (laughs) an issue in these muscles. And it's really endurance. So you could sit there for, you know, 10 seconds. But if you had to sit there for an hour, it feels like your head weighs a million pounds. Whoa. So Is that when you put people on traction? Um, different. No, no, different problem for that. I mean, sometimes it can be, uh, you know, failure of these muscles to maintain good posture in, increases like joint irritation. And sometimes we would treat that with traction. So they can go hand in hand, but they don't have to. That's probably the one of the more scary things I see in the clinic. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it can be, traction. but ultimately most people when they're on there get a lot of relief and a really yeah. 
once you know once they're feeling better in it they can't wait they look forward to getting into the traction machine so it just looks crazy. yeah <laughs> so kind of in summary you know the cranial cervical flexion test you know the article says is is a potentially useful tool for detecting impairment in deep neck flexor control and then identifying patients who have nonspecific neck pain who would benefit from a targeted intervention. So we really turn this testing into treatment. That's what, okay. That was my next question is that you're basically finding out which layer of the neck you need to treat by these tests. And Correct. then That's you one go way. into yeah. treatment. That's one way to think so about it. It's, all, it's investigating. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Exactly. And, you know, the point of reason why I wanted to uh, you know, really talk about this article. Uh, number one is a lot of times when a patient gets an evaluation, the therapist might have this aha moment and they're like, oh, okay, I, that's what it is. And to the patient, you're like, well, I just nodded my neck. How do you know anything from that? <laughs> well, there's a tremendous amount of background that we're looking at yeah. and technique that we're applying based on different movements and through the trained eye it looks totally different. You know, it's like when you take your car to the mechanic and they listen to it and they go, oh yeah, it's your alternator. <laughs> and you're like, how did you know that? Don't even get me started on these so, car dealers. It's just something that to be aware of all the different lenses mm-hmm. that as physical therapists, we're looking at movement and we're using these different tests and measures to come to quick assessments to say, oh, this is where the problem is. This is kind of how I need to attack this issue. Do you guys ever just find yourself, and I say you as in the clinicians, like just out in the public, just judging everyone's posture and well, they're walking? And yeah, I think, you know, it it's like once you, it is, once you start looking at things, you know, it's, you know. And I'm going to start sitting up straighter. You find yourself, you know, oh, wow, I bet they have this or I bet they have that. So, yeah, that definitely happens. But um, the cool thing in this article is that I think it gives us uh, a great place to start and these interventions um, can often be very, very beneficial very quickly. So you can retrain some of these muscles. It's not like your typical strength program where if you went to the gym today and you wanted to improve your bench press, you know, it might take you six or eight weeks to build new muscle. Whereas in these um, tests and measures that we're doing, it's really more of what we call neuromuscular re-education. So you're taking the muscle fibers there and you're getting them more organized and you're getting them to basically work all together in a better way. So think about a tug of war. If you had a tug of war team uh, and you got them all to pull on the rope at the same time in the same direction, you would have a stronger team. You didn't add any new team members or you didn't make team members any stronger. You just got the team more organized. And so that's what we do with neuromuscular re-education. We're just getting the tug-of-war team all working together. But we see some pretty fast results with this. And there are some normative values out there where we can correlate and say, hey, you should be at a certain level with this um, strength and endurance in your neck. And when you get to those levels, it's amazing what happens with people's pain and headache and ability to move. So um, if you are having neck pain or you're having issues or you know someone that's having issues, these tests are quick, painless screening tests that we can do very quickly in our office. And you have direct access. You can come straight to us for an evaluation. 
and we can turn this into treatment and get you feeling better. You're like a walking commercial. We try. I'm like <laughs> a, a sitting commercial now. But <laughs> All right. On that note. So to our students out yeah. there, I hope you guys know about the craniocervical flexion test now, know how to apply it, know what to use, know what it's all about. The article will be up there for you, but if you have any questions, reach out, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. So the answer was basically the long-winded do the test. Yeah, do the test. I think the test can give you information, and I think doing the test in a measured, there's some calculations of measuring results in the article. Um, You can actually get a score for the test, and there does seem to be improved validity when the same person is retesting. And so that's one of the things at Oxford that we do is if you evaluate a patient, um, most times unless there's extenuating circumstances, you're the one reevaluating the patient. So that allows you to say, yeah, Allie, you're doing better with this test than you were on the first day. I know that because I did that test on the first day. And training on the test seems to be important. So our continuing education program I think allows our Oxford physical therapists to be better at these tests because we're focusing several times a year on getting better. Good, better, best. That's right. Never let it rest. I love it. All right. (laughs) Thanks for listening, guys. See you soon. Bye. Thanks for listening. You can find us online at OxfordPhysicalTherapy.com, and you can also find us on our social media pages like Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, and TikTok. Remember, you do not need a doctor's referral to receive physical therapy in the state of Ohio and Kentucky, where we offer double the care for less than half the cost. You can schedule appointments online or stop into any center for a free screen, what we like to call a bee visit. Please write a review, send us a comment or message on our social media platforms, and until next time, keep it moving!